Welcome to Word is Truth. This is Doug Presley. It is 4-30-2023, and we're continuing with uh, Thought of the Week and Prayer. I thought it would be. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Take it from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Now that we see how far our calling goes back, we should be reminded that we have incredible purpose in the plan of God. These works we are ordained to follow, to flow, of that unique purpose. We cannot think of ourselves as ordinary people anymore since the only reason we exist here and now is the purpose of God from eternity past. We may think of ourselves as independent and choose whether or not to serve God, but we are part of something huge that goes beyond our one school's ideas of Christian service. God chose us, and that means he did not choose anyone else. As soon as he made that choice, it made us extraordinary. We cannot simply assign such good works to do what we think is good. These works, if they would been good, must flow for God's original purpose. Now, what if you don't know what God is up to? Then you certainly cannot be said to be performing those good works. He prepared in advance for us to do. This says that God has a plan and a specific purpose for you. You are not simply here to do to figure it out and decide you think is the highest value to per, per pursue. These works are obviously not works for salvation. Christ already performed all the works needed to save us eternally. However, only those who saved by the grace of God in this age are qualified to do those special works. Sure, God planned for us, first of all, to be saved. And after that, um, the scriptures it says that we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So that was God's original plan for us to, us to do good works for, to walk as Christ walked. But it's, it's for his purpose and good deeds that we should continue to live for his purpose that God set it, it everything up for us to do good works. So this is to take us on a thought of the weekend. This time we have Bill to be as a prayer. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Dave. So this time we'll have a word of prayer. Does anyone that have any special prayer, this is the time to uh, bring forth? Um, the Haddon family, Bill. It's my sister. Okay. Yeah. All right. So if we can bow our heads for a word of prayer. 
Lord, we come before you once again, oh Father, praying that you hear our many needs. For surely we live in a world that has gone chaotic and far, far from your truths. We ask, oh Lord, that you hear us even now through all the dim school periods of time that we are withstanding. We pray that you give us comfort, that you give us peace, that you give us safety, oh Lord. Oh Father God, for you have given us such a great salvation. We pray that you give us the, your spirit in a way that motivate us to continue your will, O oh Lord, that we may fulfill your purpose and your plan. Oh Father God, we ask for special prayer for the hated family, O oh Lord. We ask for special prayer for our pastor, O oh Lord. Oh Father God, we ask for special prayer for those that will be traveling in the coming days. Dear Lord, we ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Appreciate Amen. That. Thank you, Bill. And thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. Well, we are studying in the book of Galatians, as you know. We are at verse 11, but I'll start again at the con to get just to pick up the context at Galatians 2 1, and we'll pick up to where we are in 11. Then, after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus also along also. I went in response to a revelation and, meeting privately with those esteemed leaders, I presented to them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. I wanted to be sure that I was not running and had not been running my race in vain. Yet, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false believers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they recognized that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been to the circumcised. For God, who was at work in Peter as an apostle to the circumcised, was also at work in me as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. <clears throat> All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I had been eager to do all along. <clears throat> when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. <clears throat> That's where we are. And you should have notes. We're going to discuss uh, in your notes. As we progress with the narrative of the new dispensation and how the church managed it, we come to an example given by Paul. The new way of life is certainly different from Israel in many ways. 
to start, a new calling means we have a different purpose. Instead of the church rehearsing Israel's calling, we should focus on what God had in mind when he, quote, chose, he chose us in him before the creation of the world, unquote. That's Ephesians 1.4. To understand this, we must rise above tradition and culture to hear from God. <clears throat> so I took a little different pattern here, the pattern that we normally take, because I thought this first contrast was, uh, was important. And we're going to get back to our quick overview mode next week and the, the, the coming verses. But I thought we'd take a little time to just dig into this verse. So let's focus, and that will help us orient to the context as well. So point number one, when Cephas came to Antioch. Cephas, if you don't know already, it is a reference to the Apostle Peter. So uh, James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars <clears throat> it, that he mentions in Galatians 2.9 and the first part of 2.9, James, Cephas, and John, and those are the same that three that Jesus was mentioned as personal to Christ. So even though there was the 12 that followed Christ in everywhere he went, there were three especially that he confided in and that he dealt with. Uh, and those three were Peter, James, and John. For instance, when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane, he... Um, all the disciples went in, but then he told Peter, James, and John, come with me a little further. Or there's the Mount of Transfiguration. When Christ went up, he left the other disciples at the bottom of the hill, and then he went up on the top with Peter, James, and John. And there were other examples as well, but I'm just pointing out to you, obviously these three were very special in the mind of Christ for him to say, okay, would you three come with me? It, it was, that should say something to us, that there were, they held a special place in the heart of, uh, of Christ. So, <clears throat> so now we're talking about an example when Peter came to Antioch. I'm going to call him Peter for con our context. Point B. We are seeing an example of where Paul was not phased by the notoriety and celebrity Peter had in the church. And even though we can read the Gospels and we can see where Peter was called out a couple times here and there, uh, Paul, it, it didn't matter to, to the Apostle Paul. In verse 6, Paul says, uh, this is Galatians 2.6, As for those who were held in high esteem, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. God does no, not show favoritism. They added nothing to my message. Even though we covered that verse before, just to note, Paul lived that. He, even though, remember when he was first saved on the Damascus Road and he went into Damascus and the whole thing with Ananias and, you know, he couldn't see and then he was able to see after Ananias laid his hands on him and the whole thing he went through. He, he didn't run back to Jerusalem to talk to the 
the other disciples. And he made it a point. He says, I did not go up to Jerusalem. It was many years before he went back to Jerusalem to see the other apostles who were before him. He was learning from God directly. Paul, as an apostle, spent time with the Lord. Him and the Lord and God the Holy Spirit were communicating the message to Paul. It was fitting because if Paul was an apostle, he, the other apostles had opportunity to commune with Jesus directly. But Jesus says when he leaves, he's going to send another comforter just like himself, and he will be with him forever. So Paul took advantage of that time, that three years, and then, even after that, he was teaching. He went to. He started teaching about Christ in the synagogues and all the other places that he went. So he he definitely was not phased by the notoriety and celebrity that Peter had in the church. It wasn't. Imagine if he was, he probably would have got up to Peter and said, "Peter, can I get your autograph, please?" Can you, Peter, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to think. I'm in your presence. But no, Paul didn't have that at all. And we don't need to have respect for persons. We should respect that God is in control and that He is the Holy Spirit is working in our lives. And there's a point I make about this when it comes to some of these founders of religions like Martin Luther or John Calvin or Zwingli and all these different ones in church his, history that we can, we can think about. And, and, and these people hold, are held in high esteem when it comes to the church. And they weren't even apostles. You know, the apostles laid down the, the revelation for us that they got from God. But these weren't even apostles. These were people that lived in the 17th and 16th and 17th centuries. And yet people hold them in high esteem. They dare not contradict. They hold whatever their comments were, and they quote them, and they say, well, just as so-and-so said, you know, then there, that's why we believe it, like it's somehow they were closer to God than we are. That's not the truth. That is not the truth. In fact, I'd say the longer it goes, the further down the road we get in this age, we have the benefit of hearing from not only them, but we got the Bible testimony, the writers, the apostles, and those who had opinions after them. We get to stand on the shoulders of, of all of these people. But God, the Holy Spirit, is, direct, is directly working with us. That's what you should know. And if they were wrong, it's okay for us to say, no, 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 that was wrong, what this reformer said, or this person said, or this denomination. It's okay for us to disagree. We don't have to fall in line in the ranks because uh, they said something, or, or they had notoriety, or people followed them, and the more people followed them, or none of that. None of that It matters to God. Paul understood that. And I wished we understood that too. Because then we wouldn't put hold people higher in 
our minds than they ought to be. Of course, by holding people in such high esteem, you know what it does? It makes them think more of themselves than they ought. That sounds like a verse we've been looking at in Romans 12. Anyway, back to our notes. So he wasn't phased by that. That's point B. Point C. Paul recalls a time when Peter came to Antioch. Antioch was primarily a place where the Gentiles were. It, well, when I say Gentiles, I mean Gentile churches. And I put a star by Gentiles just so you would know that they, they're not still Gentile. Once they believe in Christ, they're in this new age, and they're, like it says, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. So God doesn't look at them as Gentiles. But I put that star there just so you know, I understand that. I understand, but they have a Gentile background, so that we are not to look at them as a Jewish, they have a Jewish background. And it matters. Uh, some people think, that being, you know, their Gentile background has influence in how the, their culture was formed. And, but what they have to do as Gentiles is rise above their culture if they're going to hear from God. And then so, so it is with a person who has Jewish background. They have to, they cannot, since there is no Jew in the church, then they have to rise above their Jewish culture and traditions and, and if they're going to hear from God. Same thought. But it does affect how they approach God. The Jews approach God a different way from the Gentiles. So it's good to know that. Uh, go to Acts chapter 15. We're going to look at verses 22 to 35. Acts 15 just so we can get a flavor of what we're talking about, 2235. This is the council, the council's letter to Gentile believers. And what council is that? The Jerusalem council. So 15, then the apostles and elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. So notice Paul and Barnabas were already there. They chose Judas called Barsabbas. And Silas, men who were leaders among believers. So I like the idea that they were believers. Yeah, the believers doesn't mean they were Jew or Gentile, but they were probably Jewish, just to note. <clears throat> With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders, your brothers, I love that, to the Gentile believers in Antioch. Now, even though it says to the Gentile believers, they're just showing you the origin. Because remember, the whole Jerusalem council was to hash out whether or not they were going to try to put the Gentiles under the law. And of course, the agreement was, no, no, that's not the truth. We're not under the law. And Gentile believers should not see themselves as trying to convert to Judaism in order to be live the proper life that God would have them live. That is not what, we are in a new dispensation. Now, the fact that there's a new dispensation, there were those in the previous dispensation who were believers who weren't accepting the how to manage this new age. Like the fact that we're not under the law. 
right? That's that was hard for people who were traditionally Jewish. I mean, again, this is why I said they had to rise above their culture, their training, their religious training, in order to hear from God. Well, God was speaking loudly, but culture and tradition are tough. They are tough. And they're tough for all of us. And it does take a lot of uh, humility to be able to say, okay, God, tell me, what do you want me to know? Because we are only looking at God through religious or cultural colored lenses. That's how we see it. That's how we think God is. He responds to us and through our cultural understanding, our emotional, cultural understanding. And that's not it. We got to rise above that and know that God speaks to people in all cultures. There is no one particular culture. Now, if there was, if there was one particular culture that would be God divinely infused, that would be Israel. That would be Israel. However, Israel failed, and they were not good examples of the culture because they failed miserably. And when their Messiah came, they rejected him to his face. And had him crucified. So we are not looking at their example, hopefully, as what is proper culture and what is true. When we look at the church, we are not Jew or Gentile. We are not to bring Jewish culture or Gentile culture into the church as though everybody should be subject to it. Let's keep reading Acts chapter 15. So to the Gentile believers, this is in verse 23, in Antioch, Syria, Cilicia, greetings. This is the letter, by the way, verse 24. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you. Now, when it says they disturbed you, it's because they were causing a ruckus in the church. It was controversy. There were people who were running around who were believers who were saying that the Gentiles had to be circumcised and that they had to keep the entire Mosaic law. Now, I don't know why people, when it comes to religious people, they just get the respect. People say, oh, these people, man, they, they, they're religious. They're close to God. Gentiles didn't know any better, and they just said, okay, they, they must know what they're talking about. And they were troubled because they were hearing conflicting information. So they needed to set the record straight. There was trouble in mind and that, uh, uh, by what they said. Verse 25. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them with you out uh, uh, with our dear friends. Notice our dear friends, Paul and Barnabas. Barnabas and Paul. So I love the way that they acknowledged when you talk about Paul and Barnabas you know <laughs> that Paul and Barnabas are not teaching the Mosaic law they are in fact they're telling the Gentiles they're not under the law you don't to be saved you just believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and, and the way of life for believers is not the Mosaic law we should, that should be settled when, when Paul says, says there is no Jew or Gentile. But no, people can 
They want to continue to bring Jewish traditions and the Mosaic law into the worship of our our proper response to God. Let's keep reading. I think we're going down to verse 35, but that's whether we finish. Let's keep going. I'll read 25 again just so we can pick up. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them with you, our de- with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's not an endorsement of the new age, I don't know what is. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by, by word of mouth what we are writing. It seemed good, <clears throat> here it is, to the Holy Spirit and to us not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. Now watch, they're gonna, they are going to say a couple things here. <clears throat> he says, you are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat strangled, of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. Farewell. So that was the conclusion. Now, what do we... Now, again, this is what they said. This is the truth, but what is the reality? Let's look at it. Why did they say these things? You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood. So this is to say that uh, this was. these are very controversial in the time in which they lived. Uh, this food sacrificed to idols was a big deal in the church and it doesn't mean that what the Jerusalem Council agreed to here was the absolute truth. It just means that this is what they agreed to. One thing is for sure, this is not the Mosaic Law. Food sacrificed to idols caused people to stumble in the church. It, it, and even the Apostle Paul said in the letter, he says nothing, the truth is nothing should be, uh, all food can be accepted, it's all good. As long as we, we just say our grace over the food. That's why we get this whole thought of saying the grace. As long as we say grace over it, it's okay. So the food sacrifice to idols caused people to, to stumble. It was such a big controversy in the church that people could not get around it. Paul says, you know what? If it's Even though I know what the truth is, he says, for my brother's sake, I will abstain from eating any food sacrificed to idols. If that's what it's going to take, I'll never eat it again. Paul understood that for these matters, he did not want to cause weak people. Notice there were weak people. And when it talks about, and from meat of strangled animals, he's talking about things that people could not see past their culture as a result. They were going to be a problem. And from sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is not just what we see as today, which is bad. (laughs) There's some bad sexual immorality today, just as there always was. But this sexual immorality, he was talking about how Gentiles behaved in terms of going to the temple. Gentiles had mixed God and sexual immorality together in worship. So uh, it was bad. And I'm not going to go into any details here because Paul says some of these things we shouldn't even talk about. I'm not going to talk about them because they're really that bad. 
things the Gentiles were doing and practicing in the name of God. So, so he was saying to the Gentiles, you don't go to the temple. Now, Paul confirmed that in 1 Corinthians 7. He says, no, we should not be involved. Also in Ephesians uh, chapter 5, he also confirmed that those practices that they were doing in the temple was wrong and Christians should not be going there. That's not the will of God for your life. You're going to go into the temple worship where these pagan temples were not what we were supposed to be doing as far as living the Christian way of life. So he says the letter ends with he would do well to avoid these things. It's not a matter of salvation, but these are the things that Jerusalem Council came up with, just so you know. And then verse 30, we'll keep going. So the men were sent off and went down to Antioch where they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who themselves were prophets, said, much to encourage and strengthen the believers. Notice, to strengthen the believers. Controversy causes doubt. And and the doubt here wasn't, um, you know, I don't know if I can do what God requires me to do. It was doubt in the leadership. They were being told different things. Paul and Barnabas were saying one thing, and the Judaizers people... And then others were silent. They didn't have a comment. They just didn't address it. They felt like if we don't address it, then people, you know, at least they won't see it. What if you're a leader, then you need to take a position, and uh, and hopefully it will be the right position. Verse thirty-three. After spending some time there, they were sent off by the believers with the blessing of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they uh, and many others taught and preached the word of God. Notice, it was clear that Paul and Barnabas spent a lot of time in Antioch. And so this is when Peter came to Antioch. Now notice they sent a couple people, Judas and Silas, down there, uh, the Jerusalem Council sent them to Antioch. So, But now, Peter is coming to Antioch. Peter is an esteemed pillar. He's like a celebrity coming to Antioch. Where, where, where's, what's Antioch known for? Primarily Gentiles. Gentile believers, that is. So that's a big event here. This is, this is, uh, wow. We already got the letter. We already know what the way is. And here comes Peter, the, the, one of the leaders. Those, he, he was esteemed by all the churches in Jerusalem. That's where the church began. And Peter's coming to Antioch. Wow, this is a big event. This is point D. If Peter came to Antioch, Antioch, it was an event. His purpose in coming there was to strengthen the churches. Now notice, he wasn't just, oh, by the way, I'm going to go to Syria or this place. And by the way, I'll be stopping by Antioch. Just just to shoot the... No! If Peter was coming to Antioch, man, they were going to... 
make sure all the trees were trimmed, the grass was cut, everything was in order. It was, they would, if this place needed, the church needed painting, they're going to paint a church. I mean, and I used to do this with the board of the place I used to work. Wherever the board was going to go, they would know it in advance. And man, they would, in fact, they would get extra money to make sure things were in good shape so the board members would see only the best. And this is, this is an event. Peter was coming to the place where Gentile believers were. This is, a, this is not just, well, yeah, Paul's, Paul's recounting this so, so you know. Oh, yeah, by the way, Peter came to Antioch. No, this is a big event. I want you to see that. That's why I read all of those verses in Acts so you can understand the context of Peter's visit. It wasn't just a visit hey, I'm hanging out here all the time. No, Peter was esteemed. He was like the Pope. I, shouldn't, I did not want to use that because the Pope, in our eyes, are, he's not anybody of note. We don't submit to the Pope in, with, any, with any regard whatsoever. Now, of course, if the Pope is teaching the truth, yeah, we believe what, as far as that's concerned. But no, we, we are not going to submit to that at all so so that's the thought uh when it comes to that hang on i'm not going to answer so so then point point uh that was point d if peter came to antioch it was an event his purpose in coming there was to strengthen the churches notice he was coming to strengthen churches not coming there to you know to just shoot the breeze, as it were. He was going to, he was, they were, listen, if Peter was there, he was there, and I'm sure there would have been opportunity for Peter to teach and strengthen the churches. Notice, they sent Judas and Silas for that purpose. Paul and Barnabas stayed there for that purpose. And here comes Peter. Of course, they're going to give him the pulpit. They're going to let him speak. And, and yet, this is what Paul is recounting. Point E. Let's keep going. They were honored to have Peter come, and rightfully so. Peter walked with Christ for over three years. Peter saw many miraculous signs, wonders, miracles. I would go if Peter was there. I'd be like, man, I'm going to church. I'm, if Peter's going to be there speaking, of course I'm, I want to go. And yet, we have this event recorded for us in the Word of God. This is Galatians 2.5. I want to just read this point. Galatians 2.5 says, We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So Peter came to Antioch. Trust me. We Listen, we, Paul and Barnabas were already convinced that it was the grace of God that should be the standard of this new age. We should not go back under the law, under the Mosaic law. It is, the church is not Jewish. The church is not about being a Gentile. It is a new way of life that we're learning. And so they were clear, but they were honored to have Peter. So Peter had to be careful about what he said. Now, if we... If we knew from, I, I just want to read, I don't have this in the notes, but Acts chapter 15, let's just look at 
15.1, certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. Notice, sharp dispute and debate. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with other believers, to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. The church came, uh, when they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses. So, the apostles and elders met to consider this question. Again, <laughs> we couldn't have made this more. This isn't about salvation. This is about the way of life for the, for the believer after salvation. If it didn't get resolved here, then the church would have been divided. It would have been a Gentile church and it would have been a Jewish church. And who knows what splinters would have been as a result of that. It would have been divided. But the word of God is clear. But notice who stands up. Verse 7, after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, you know that some time ago God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. Now, <clears throat> Peter's recalling his example that you could read all about it in Acts chapter 10 and 11 if you want to, how God sent him to the Gentiles. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you test, try to test God by putting on the necks of the Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through God's through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. So even though he's talk, it, it hinges on their salvation. He's not really dealing with the subject of salvation. Of course, to some of them, they thought, look, if they're going to become a part of our body, they need to become Jewish. And to become Jewish, in their eyes, meant you had to be circumcised if you were a male, and you had to keep the Mosaic Law. You saw it earlier. So, I'm just painting the picture. When Peter came to Antioch, it was an event. Back to our notes here. Point E, they were honored to have Peter come. I thought we already covered this. And, and, and yet, we have this event recorded for us in the Word of God. And I read Galatians 2.5 where it says, We did not give in to them for a minute. Notice who stood up. It, didn't, it wasn't the Paul. It wasn't Barnabas, even though they had lots of sharp dispute. It was Peter who said these things. So point F tells me, even though Peter knew better, we saw the context. Galatians 2.9, right? I, I'll just read it. 
we, we read this earlier, Galatians 2.9. The context was James, Cephas, and John, those esteemed as pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should not we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So so they were in agreement. There was no division. And and they understood clearly that they were not under the Mosaic law. So uh, they knew better. Peter knew better. In fact, he was the one, the very one who stood up in defense of the Gentiles and not being burdened with the Mosaic law. And that, that was not something, as leaders they were talking here, not just people sitting around in the corner in the Bible study talking. These were leadership. This was the leadership of the church. This happened. We have this. This is the way. To the extent that people don't listen to this or don't uh, care, well, then they're resisting God the Holy Spirit. Because this is what God the Holy Spirit had written and preserved for us. So beware, I say in point F, for culture and tradition have a strong grip on all of us. We must learn to walk by faith. And this is, <clears throat> this is what 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, for we must live by faith and not by sight. Faith in the new age, faith in God, who orders our steps, who tells us which is the proper way to walk in truth, right? This is important for us to note. We can't look at tradition. If we want to hear from God, obviously we can be traditional, religious. We can be all that. And we can say, we don't care what God says. We're, this is the way we've always done it. This is what our forefathers have done. And so we're going to do it that way too. This is the way our forefathers responded to God. This is the way we're going to respond to God. And religion, culture, tradition. Listen, I'm making a bold statement here by saying that if you're going to hear from God, you've got to rise above culture. God is... He's over all believers, and all, believers are in all born in all sorts of cultures. We should know your culture came from Adam. But even, like we said, Jewish culture came from God. He gave them the traditions, the cultures that they were supposed to follow, but they didn't follow it. They rejected it. So they're not good examples. And even the, the culture that he gave them was for a nation, the nation Israel, built on the, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God made promises. They have a specific calling. But they didn't live up to it. But they will. They will in the future, as we know already. We've studied Romans 9, 10, 11. They will live up to it what God required or called them to. But the church, different purpose altogether. We're not here for the same purpose as Israel or as an extension to Israel. We covered a lot of this, so I'm just... so. But just know, culture, how you do things, that's not the important thing. 
it's the truth, being able to hear from God. The truth transcends culture. The truth transcends our traditions. If you want to hear from God, then you're going to have to rise above those things that we feel culture provides us. And culture, listen, all the cultures have their way of worship, their, their way of, of, of how they understand God. Well, God has given us his word, and God has given us his spirit in order for us to understand the things that are freely given to us. Okay, so point number two, we, we got a little bit more time. Let's keep going. What happened? Paul says, I opposed him to his face. Let's deal with it. It's a big controversy here. Point A, Paul gets right to the point. He just says right out, when Peter came here to Antioch, where all these Gentile believers were, and there were all these issues, what did Peter do? What did he do? So that Paul opposed him to his face. It must have been bad. Peter did not display what we saw, the strength of how he handled the situation in the Jerusalem council. Peter must have caved into fear. And we know, we already know the context of Galatians and what happened. He tells us we're just not at those verses yet. When we get to those verses, we'll talk more about it. But right now, Paul is telling us straight up, when he came to Antioch, which was the very center of all the Gentile believers, here's how Paul had to deal with Peter. He had to oppose him to his face. So he gets right to the point. No building the storyline. He says, listen, let me tell you the story of when... No, he gets right to it. When, Paul, when, when Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. There were, there were many in the church that failed, but they were not Peter. So Peter wasn't the only one who failed. If we look at verse 12, I'm skipping ahead, I know, for certain men from James used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, for before certain men came from James, he, Peter, used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. So no, we know what happened, right? I'm not trying to make it sound like he doesn't say it. He does. It's going to be there. So, but he opposed him to his face. There were others. Paul didn't say, well, let me just pick on, let me grab one of the others there and straighten them out. No, Paul dealt with the leadership. If it was wrong, Paul was going to do it. He was going to handle it directly. Point B, oppose. The word oppose is to set oneself against. Oppose, resist. To, to, and, and, you know, it's an interesting New American Standard Bible has, and I might use it more often here. But it shows, and I tell you, I always say, this, this is, these, all these definitions are the ways this word could be used in Scripture. So, 
that New American Standard Bible has a lot of, they show how the different uses of scripture it is, right? So it says one time it's used as cope, two times opposed, four times opposed, one time opposing, three time resist, one time resisted, and, uh, and, and so on. You could see that their exhaustive concordance, this is New American Standard exhaustive concordance, this is how it breaks it down for us. So when I give you those definitions from Strong or from Thayer, I can tell you, yeah, it's used in these various ways in Scripture. This tells you how many times the word is, how it's translated and how many times. I thought that was useful. I thought I'd throw it in there for you. So hopefully uh, that's something we can use. Point C, he opposed him to his face. This is an event. <laughs> it's like the thriller, you know, I was thinking the event, like the big, a big fight, how it's promoted and all the stuff that goes into it. The thriller in Manila. The thriller in Mo the Manila was the Philippines. And this is where uh, Muhammad Ali and Joe Frazier fought. This was an event, a big event. And this was their third fight. So one fight, um, uh, Ali lost. The second, I believe, now I may get these wrong, it's okay. Second fight he won. So now this is the, like the third fight. And we know at the end of it, Ali wins. Uh, but that fight was a tough one. I'm not here to talk about the fight, but I'm, just want to use the thriller in Manila as the buildup. This is an event. Who's who's on who's in this corner? You have Paul. In this corner, you have Peter. Two leaders of the church, and Paul has to deal with this controversy. And so I'm calling it the thriller in Antioch. It's not. You can forget about that part. Two leaders of the church at odds over how to live by faith in the new dispensational theology. The faith of the new dispensational theology. How should believers behave? You would think this would be something important for us to document for us, but it would be important for us to note. And if we're gonna create a theology, if we're gonna start a church in this age, that we would have these principles as a part of our theology, our way going forward. How would we not address this or these issues when these are of utmost importance? This is major in terms of how to live the Christian way of life. I Listen, we can't dismiss these things. Not only are, did these things happen, Paul's pointing them out to us, but the spirit of truth has preserved these things for us so that we're reading them about this event now. So it, it, it's huge. Point D, it took courage. The, the courage of the spirit for Paul to stand up to Peter. And really, if I look at John 16, 13, this is what it says, Jesus says what happened. He says, um, but when he, the spirit of truth, comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. So notice, he will guide you, lead you into all truth. We know the Spirit fills us. That means he influences us in this age. We know that he not only does he tell us, but he will influence us, give us the courage to walk according to the truth. Many times the courage that we're talking about, where the Holy Spirit leads and guides us into, has to do with going against religious tradition or culture. That's where we're going to need the power of the Spirit to walk according to what God is showing us as truth. Because the world is going to tell us something different. So just to note, it took courage. It took the power of the Spirit for Paul to do that. It wasn't just Paul as you know, this guy who was very, very obstinate. It took the power of the Spirit to stand up. And remember, Paul was a Pharisee. If anything, the Mosaic Law would have made sense to him. He could have said, yeah, I could make arguments for the Mosaic Law. But you know what? Paul understood truth. And his mind was transformed. Even though that's what he was, a Pharisee, he now understands that's not the way, and he's going to stand up for it. Point E, to his face. Paul's opposition to Peter was not personal. Paul was not like, I don't like Peter. No, Paul was saying, this is not personal, but Paul understood, Peter understood that it is important not to get involved. And, and 2 Peter 3.15, I gave this thought, 2 Peter 3.15, hold on. So Peter didn't take this personally. He didn't say, you know that, Paul, I just don't like him. You know what he said in 2 Peter 3.15? He says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. So, so Paul, Peter is endorsing Paul. Now just imagine, after being straightened out in public, to his face, it, you would think Peter would hold some sort of grudge or some bad feelings about who Paul was. No, not, not at all. Peter did not have that. He took the correction from God in a way that would benefit him. And here he is writing in First and Second Peter from God the Holy Spirit. So, you know what? We, I don't want to rush this. We're going to take our time, which is why I drew, drug it out a little bit. Hopefully you understand the context. And we'll pick up. I know we're getting... Long in, in the hour here, we're, we're going to pick up the thought of this. We'll be fresh, uh, maybe next time we meet. So please stand by. We'll, we'll, we're going to finish this, this thought, but this gives us opportunity. You have some notes here. Look, see where I'm going. But uh, we'll resume next time to continue what happened in this event. We'll be going a little faster next time because remember this is after all an overview 
So let's bow our heads as we close. Thank you, Father, for this time we've had this week. Thank you for life, health, and strength. And we pray that as we digest the things that we have heard, that you would would give us wisdom around these things so that we can apply these things to our life, our culture, our understanding of this. All of this we ask in Christ's name, for his sake. Amen. Amen.